Um, right, freedom, glory, and responsibility. Well, let's have a quick, have a look through. We've been on this journey of, of discovering our freedom. Um, and I just want to talk a little bit more about that today. Galatians 4, verse 4 and 5. But when the time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, or some, some versions say the full rights of sons. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child, and since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. You know, that clearly says that we're all sons, or that, that it's sons. Um, so we might have the full rights of sons. So does, does that mean it's only for the guys and the boys? Well, let's just have a quick look earlier in Galatians. Galatians 3, verse 26 and 29. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. So, you know, I think the guys have to get their heads around being the bride of Christ. Um, I think they do struggle on that one, some of them. Um, but this is a time when I am extremely happy to be a son of God. And the reason here, generally I would think of myself as a daughter of the king. Um, but here I am very happy to be a son. Because in, the, in those times, it was the sons who had the full rights of inheritance. And God is, say, and God is saying here, you all have the full rights of this inheritance. And he chooses these three sort of pairings. So obviously, you know, with slave and free, the slaves had no rights of inheritance in the natural. But God's saying, you have the full rights of my inheritance. And, um, and the Jews and the Greeks, well, you know, the Jews for, you know, until, um, the Jews for thousands of years believed that the inheritance, it, the inheritance was only for them. It wasn't for other people. And Greeks here means sort of um, non-Jews. They're saying, yeah, the, the, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be a Jew to, to have God's inheritance. It's for everybody. And actually, and then with the male and female, it's saying, no, it's not just that males have the, the rights of inheritance. Um, everyone has the rights of this inheritance. So I just, I think it's quite fitting actually today. I, I wanted to sort of start this off in a different way, but it would have taken too long with the kids. But actually today is Zoe's third birthday. So we're talking about, that's my granddaughter by the way. Um, so talking about inheritance, but actually this isn't just our inheritance from God. It's also the inheritance that we pass on to others as well. So what is this inheritance that we have through being, through, through being adopted as sons? Resources. I think if you actually think about it, you know, if you inherit something, you actually gain resources and you actually gain resources that you haven't worked for. You know, if you need a mortgage, if you need to get a mortgage and you need the deposit and, you know, great aunt Mabel dies and leaves you 10,000 pounds, suddenly you're living in the benefit of what you haven't worked for. And Jesus came 
and died so that we could live in the benefit of what we haven't worked for. You know, we can't, it's not just what we haven't worked for. He actually died so to give us what we can't work for. Because we can't work for forgiveness. And we can't work for healing. And we can't work for love and acceptance. And we can't work for miracles. We get those things because our dad loves us. And that Jesus has won them, has won them, us for, won them for us. So I just love that, you know, we have the resources to live in the good of what we haven't worked for. I think the next major thing, I think, is, is intimacy. Daddy's God's love and care, fun with him. And I just, this is, it's just, you know, what part of the journey that we have been on um, as a church, exploring how good our Heavenly Father really is. And... Um, and this sort of intimacy was really brought home to Pete and I um, about 10 years ago. We were um, in Egypt on holiday in the, in the Red Sea, the Northern Red Sea, and we weren't that far from Israel. And much to our surprise, um, sort of like on the center weekend of the, of the holiday, um, it was a bank holiday in Israel. And, all, and suddenly the um, hotel was full of Jewish families, and we just heard the word Abba, Abba. All the way through. Like it said, Abba is the Jewish word for daddy. And it, it was just so clear. You know, there were little kids sort of standing on the edge of the swimming pool, you know, and they were just about to do their first jump into the deep end. And they would shout, Abba, Abba, you know, look what I'm doing. And, and, and their dad would come over and cheer them on, you know, and be ready to pull them out. And, you know, but that's our father's heart. You know, he loves to see what we're doing and he loves to cheer us on and be there and encourage us. And then actually it was an all inclusive resort. So the kids, so actually dad had unlimited resources and the kids would come and ask for an ice cream. And so dad would take them over and be able to get them an ice cream. You know, our dad has unlimited resources. He loves to provide for us. We live in that, in the benefits of those. You know, just someone, um, uh, shared with me the other, last week that they'd actually just been given, um, a, a, I think it was anonymous, anonymously, a check for a thousand pounds. You know, our Father loves to bless us. He loves to provide for us, provide us with jobs, provide us with all kinds of things. And then, and then, um, the, uh, it was, um, say the Red Sea, obviously it's a, it's a snorkeling area and the, the parents would be sitting on the beaches and the kids were sort of snorkeling, but you know, some of them were snorkeling by bending down. So they had their, their face mask on. They're standing in shallow water and they just, stick their heads in the in the um, water and beautiful beautiful fish but there were actually some things that looked quite scary underneath there and suddenly you'd hear these kids would rush out the water going Abba Abba you know come and rescue me from this scary thing and uh, and our father loves to protect us he loves to you know he's always there for us But more than anything else, I think, you know, all of that, but actually, as children, we should expect words of affirmation from our Father. Um, 
It really shows, actually, on whether you think of yourself as a servant or whether you think of yourself um, as, a, as a slave or a, um, a, a servant or a slave, or whether you actually think of yourself as a free person, as a son, um, by what you expect Father God to say to you. And when you go to Father God, because if you actually only ever go to God to ask him what your next instruction is, you know, what shall I do? And you go and you draw near to God so that he can tell you what to do. That's more of the heart of a servant. But children, they actually just get the love and well done. You know, um, Pete and I love to encourage people um, and say positive things to people. But probably the people that got more words of encouragement... Um, probably than anybody else, were our children. You know, we love to um, encourage, and now we get that to do that with our grandchildren. Yeah. Father God loves to tell you that he loves you, that he loves spending time with you, that he enjoys your company. You know, and he does that directly to you, and he does it through um, other people. <laughs> you know, sometimes you think, oh, you know, I've only got a prophecy that says, you know, I, I, you know, I've only got a prophecy for Matthew. And it's just, God just wants to say how much he loves you. And you think that's not very profound. That's not very deep. But you know, God just loves to say it again and again and again and again. I think it's so easy to dismiss something as, oh, that's not very important. But God loves to say how much he loves us. But in that passage, it really contrasts slaves or servants with sons. And it contrasts being bound with being free. And when we are children of God, we are truly free. Jesus has died. He's he's, uh, risen. He's ascended. He's seated at the right hand of God. And he is... He has um, made us truly, truly free. You know, he's, he's, he's set us free from um, the punishment of sin. He set us free from the power of sin. He's set us free. He can set us free from fears because we can, we just think, wow, oh, my daddy God loves me. He sets us free from addictions. He sends the Holy Spirit to help us overcome. Um, you know, he's, he's set us free. But it's not just freedom from that Jesus has brought us. It's freedom to be. You know, it's freedom to be the, the amazing, unique individuals that God has made us to be. In Romans 8, it talks about the glorious freedom of the sons of God. You know, God actually wants you to be glorious. He doesn't just want you to be a little son or a little daughter. He actually wants you to, to be Glorious. In Hebrews 2 verse 10, it says, um, in bringing many sons to glory. You know, that is God's heart. He wants to bring you into your glory. If you can just see that, there's a cheetah behind there. You see, because tr- true glory is only really shown in freedom. You can see a captive cheetah and you can see its beautiful markings and you can see the shape of it, but you actually don't get to appreciate it's full glory until you see it run, you know, doing what it was designed to do, doing what it was created to do. And then you see its full glory. And God has made us, you know, to, to, um, to, to be glorious. 
2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Just to note there, you're not going from one degree of really awful, horrible, grotty to something slightly sort of cleaned up and slightly better. You're actually going from glory to glory. And uh, it says that, you know, we are being transformed. But I actually used to think it says being transformed into his likeness. And I used to think like there was this this ideal Christian woman and this ideal Christian man, you know, because we're all being changed into Jesus likeness. So it was sort of really I've got to be, you know, I'd see somebody and I think, oh, I've got to be like, you know, they're a Christian. I've got to be like them or um you just had this thing of, oh, I'm not like that. You know, Christians are like this. Well, it's a crazy thought, isn't it, really? Because you think how amazingly huge God is. To think that, you know, if we were all the same, we would actually show his glory is a crazy idea. It would take all of us in all our separate glories to actually show God as he is. You know, we have, um, Pete and I love sitting, well, me in particular, but Pete keeps me happy. Um, we love eating outside. And we sit outside on our, in our back garden. We have a blackbird who comes and sits on those little high bendy branches at the top of a tree. And it sings its heart out. Day after day after day, it sings its heart out. And it just makes your spirits rise. It makes you think it's summer. It's happy. Um, and it is glorious. But actually, if you think of an eagle, you know, a captive eagle that's probably been kept on one of those little posts, you know, with a chain, and it's being kept there, and maybe it hasn't even seen other birds, and you take it out into the garden, and uh, you put it on the down on the lawn, and uh, and it looks around, it sort of flaps its wings, and it sees a blackbird fly past, and it thinks, oh, that's got wings like me, that's a bird. That's what I'm meant to be like. So the eagle tries to flap up into the little thin branches at the top of the tree and perch there. It would just fall off. You know, if it tries to sing, it would do this this sort of squawking, croaking sound. You know, if it saw the um, the blackbird come down onto the lawn and and pull up worms, and the eagle thinks, oh, that's what birds do. I'm a bird. I've got to do that. And it's sort of with its bent beak is trying to um, to get in you know, worms out of the, the garden. You would not see the eagle's glory. You actually only see the eagle's glory when it's being an eagle. And similarly, you know, if a blackbird saw an eagle going up on the thermals on the hot air, you know, it would... It would think, oh, I can, you know, that's a bird. I can do that. Well, if a blackbird just held its wings out, it wouldn't rise. It's not designed that way. It would fall. And God wants us to have, to each have our own different glory. You know, your glory will look very different than my glory. But is this, you know, is this all very selfish? You know, I'm going to be glorious. I'm going to be glorious. No. Actually, when we are glorious, we actually show God's glory. But also, we actually pull other people 
into their glory. Us being sort of constrained and trying to keep low and maybe even miserable isn't going to, it doesn't glorify God. And it doesn't actually encourage other people. It actually, you know, when we are glorious, we actually pull other people into their glory. And there was a fantastic example of this at the 2012 um, Olympic Games. This man, David Radisha, he ran the 800 meters. And um, usually, that's that's twice around the track. It's usually a tactical race. So usually they start off slow and, you know, some go out faster. And the ones, you know, they sort of just keep behind him and then they decide when they're going to come out and then they make a zoom for the end kind of thing. David Radisha hit the front. He was on, he was in, um, at the front by the first corner. And he just ran and ran and he ran the whole race from the front. Once he'd hit the front on the first corner, he ran the whole race from the front. And he broke the world record and he got the gold medal. So he ran 800 meters faster than any person, any person, well, man had ever run it before. There were seven other people in that race and six of them actually ran faster than they had ever run before. So four of them got personal bests, but two of them, they not only actually ran faster than they had ever run before, but they actually got national records, so they ran faster than anybody in their country had ever run before. And the other person, um, actually, he, they ran a, um, a season's best. But David Radisha running going for glory, actually pulled six people into a glory that they had never, ever reached in their lives before. So as we, uh, as we are actually brave, it, it's brave. It take, you know, sometimes you have to be brave to be glorious. You have to step out there and do the new, try the new, or think, wow, you know, I wonder if this is okay in church. You know, what's my glo- glory like? You know, and maybe you have, maybe you want to check things out. You know, there are new shapes. We are discovering so much more diversity in, not just in church meetings, but in what we do. There is so much more glory to be discovered. But all this glory <laughs> doesn't mean you're too glorious to do the hoovering or put out the trash or do the ironing. Or wash the floors, you know. Because <laughs> actually, with freedom and glory, actually comes responsibility as well. You know, um, you know we've got, we've got in, in our family, we've got um, five glorious adults. We All five of us were glorious on Christmas Day, but none of us was too glorious to set the, um, you know, set the table or do the washing up. You know, with, with, with your freedom comes responsibility. It's not just to do things. It's not just to do jobs. With your freedom comes responsibility in how you manage yourself. You know, how we speak to people, how we, how we relate to people. And also with freedom comes the responsibility to clean up your mess. You know, I teach in the School of Supernatural Ministry and I am continually, um, pushing into the new. And maybe because it's that, but sometimes, you know, I, I mess up. And I actually write, you know, I have to say to my, to the students, I'm sorry. You know, that wasn't, 
That, you know, that was me. That wasn't, you know, that wasn't you. You have to, you know, have responsibilities. It's not just this free-for-all where I can go and say and do whatever I like. You actually have responsibilities um, towards others in how we relate, in how we, how we, um, how we treat one another. We actually have responsibilities for our lives. So this is actually what Galatians 5, 13 to 14 says. As for you, my friends, you were called to be free. Yay! Isn't that amazing? Part of your calling is to be free. Your calling is to be free. You know, and you could think, ah, I could stop there. But do not let this freedom become an excuse for letting sinful or selfish desires control you. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And if you think about it, you know, Jesus was the most free, the most glorious person that ever lived. He was God. I'm not, I'm calling him a person there just to link it in with us. I am acknowledging Jesus is fully God, but he was, he was his incarnation. He was the most free person that ever lived. And he was probably the, he's the most glorious person that ever lived. But, you know, he wasn't, he, he actually set, set an example in using his freedom to serve one another in love. You know, in how he was, you just think of, um, of washing the disciples' feet. I mean, I just think that must be like the equivalent, I don't know, of, I don't have a dog. This is why I don't have a dog. But, you know, cleaning the dog poo off the off the lawn or something. You know, this was a pretty horrible job, cleaning the disciples' feet. You know, they'd been on hot, sweat. They, you know, hot, they're hot and sweaty, dusty roads. You know, donkeys and camels have been along those roads, leaving whatever donkeys and camels leave behind. This wasn't a great job to do, washing the disciples' feet. You know, we think it's pretty brave when we ask someone to take their shoes off and wash their feet, you know, in a in an encounter room or maybe at home group or something. It's nothing compared with what Jesus did there. He chose to, you know, he said, I'm not too great. I'm not too glorious. I'll use my freedom to serve you. And, of course, he used his freedom to actually serve us in the ultimate way of laying down his life for us. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The bit there when it says, as each part does its work, is not just talking about knuckling down and getting on, although there is some of that. You know, someone has got to put out chairs and, you know, do car parking. And it's, I love, you know, that, that heart to do that. But actually here, it's, it's more like as each part functions to the, it's the fullness of its, a bit of its uniqueness. You know, the full, it's actually functioning according to how it's meant to function. So if you actually think of a body, you know, that, um, you know, your thing, you know, your, your heart functions best when it's functioning as a heart you know it can't try and be a, an arm um, it's that kind of thing anyway um, um, Brian didn't know what I was preaching on today and he came up and waved this piece of paper in front of me just before the meeting and said do you think this I've been I've had this for a few weeks do you think it's relevant so I said yes 
Yes, I've had um, a, a picture, so sort of repeating picture for some time. One or two of you may have heard some words when I've been praying for you. It, I think it's a seasonal word for, for this year, and it's about being pitch perfect. And it's a, a word about being each part being in an orchestra. Um, I see, I've been seeing all of us holding tuning forks, striking our tuning forks and hitting a note, an exact note for each of us. And they, they, they can all be quite different. Um, it's to do with being in tune, pitch perfect, with us as an orchestra playing out a symphony for this year. I keep seeing since we're all fine-tuning our instruments for the symphony that's going to be played out, God is conducting as Holy Spirit as we strike up the first chords, and God strikes a chord with each of us. So this is all playing our part. Jesus and Holy Spirit are going to resonate our Father's heart for this year So let us strike up our tuning forks as God conducts our orchestra. Wow, isn't that amazing? Well, stay up here for a minute. (laughs) I just love, sorry, stay up here for a minute. (laughs) I just love it. You know, this is, this is God's glory, you know, that He just uses some and you bring, He brings that, you know, that this is, is, such an amazing example of, of being glorious and each one playing its part and building up, you know, that this body will grow and, and be and mature. And uh, I just want to challenge you to, to actually think, yeah, just to look at, to appreciate your uniqueness. Sometimes it's very easy to see what we, we are not, you know, or, oh, I haven't got and part of what we do in the second year at, at school is actually start um, um, looking at, at what people's strengths are and what their uniqueness is. But, you know, find out your uniqueness, go with your uniqueness, and and then live to the full. You know, Jesus did say, "I came to give you life and give it to the full." And God wants you to live life to the full, so that this, you know, so that this local body. But his worldwide body can actually be the, the glorious um, representation of him who they're meant to be. So anyway, I'd just like, like you to stand and I'd like to pray over you and, and uh, Brian can pray over you. Um, if you did want, if you do want, um, if you want particular prayer, I'm happy to pray individually with some people or, uh, with people at the end as well yeah father whoa father i thank you that you have called us to be glorious oh father that anyway that's the heart of your of a father Just as we want the best for our children, you want the best for us. And Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you that you have won the way totally for us. Lord, release the expectation over us as a body of what you're going to do in each one of us to bring us into our glory, to discover who it is that we can um, serve you and serve, Lord, not just the body of Christ, but those in our communities and families around us, that we can truly show them your glory. Amen. Yeah, I'd, I'd just like you to do a, a very small prophetic act. Can you raise your hands up with your tuning forks? 
Can you raise your hands up and strike your tuning fork? Let the resonant note that God has for you for 2014 sing out now. Strike up as we start this symphony that God is going to conduct and continue to conduct in 2014. We're going to see increased miracles, increased glory individually and corporately, and you are going to bless the communities. You're going to bless everywhere your feet go as you take your tune and your song from heaven and release his glory with your glory married together everywhere you go. In Jesus' name, we thank you for this, Father. Stir our faith and our passion and be glorified. Amen. Amen.